Welcome everybody. With us today is Rabbi Peretz Kazen from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Welcome Rabbi Peretz. Thank you for your time today. To start, uh, please introduce yourself. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So I uh, grew up in Brooklyn, New York, a little town called Brooklyn, and been living now in Baton Rouge with my wife and children for seven years. Thank God. It's really, really wonderful. My wife did grow up in New Orleans. So, you know, we have family uh, not too far away. Thank God. And it's, it's really, really wonderful. Very nice. Um, how big is the Jewish community where you live? That's an interesting question. So there's actually a university here. The premier state school for Louisiana, LSU, is based in Baton Rouge. So there's work with the university students, which is about 1% Jewish. And then there's also Jews in the community, in the broader community. Uh, it's about 450 families, roughly. That's a lot. That's, uh, so that's just you and your family. You're taking care of those 450 families? Correct. Yes, so thank God. That's already a lot of work. You know, of itself, and on top of on top of that, they have the one percent students at the university. That's right. Yes, thank God we we have we have our hands full. So, how many students is one percent? So one percent uh, go. It's about three hundred Jewish students, wow. uh, but it's one percent of of you know thirty plus thousand. So it's it's finding them a needle in a haystack, but they come and they're excited. They're they're interested. You know, they're they're seeking out uh, something that reminds them of home, a feeling of home. And that's really something which we try and provide, you know, besides obviously uh, rituals or services or other things. But really, it's a, a home and, and someplace that they can feel and express their Judaism in a, in a very homey kind of environment. In Yiddish, they say Hamish, you know, in a, a comfortable, warm environment. Very, very nice. So as a... Uh... Purim and the Pesach Passover is coming up. Do you find that more Jews come out of the woodworks? People reach out to you. They want matzah. They're looking for matzah meal. So it's always that way. You know, holidays tend to bring out people. And uh, yes, in the past, thank God, we've done uh, a, a distribution of Purim packages, shalach manot in the community with a lot of success. And we actually initiated last year a program in which we will distribute matzah, God willing, to every known Jewish household that we know of in the city. And it's a big undertaking. Uh, but yes, it definitely uh, encourages people to get out, get involved, participate, and make the holiday a priority. So definitely so. And I'm sure it's that way for you as well uh, over in uh, Newfoundland. Yes, that's why I asked. Uh, even for us, I was thinking about our numbers. We're dealing with... Uh around the world there's 150 families that we know there's many more that we don't know and yes always hanukkah time uh, we've seen and, and and pesach time passover time people come out of the woodworks they, would, they want some matzah they want hanukkah candles whatever it is uh, so it's always a, a busy time an exciting time so rabbi Perez, it's fascinating we wish you a, a, lots of hatzlacha uh, success in your work but we're here to discuss rabbi Perez's father Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Kazan, Alava Shalom, uh, who started Chabad.org. So, uh, Rabbi Perez, how do you describe your father and what did your father do before starting uh, Chabad.org? Okay, so I'll, I'll back up even a little more if I can. Uh, my father was born the youngest of seven children to his parents who were immigrants from the former Soviet Union. They had managed to get out after World War II. And he was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, 
and always had a knack for technology. And after finishing his studies in yeshiva and subsequently uh, meeting my mother and getting married and settling down, in looking for work, uh, one of the places that he worked prior to starting Chabad.org was in the yeshiva in New York, the central Lubavish yeshiva in the, in the office there, in administrative work. And that was really something which allowed him, once he had streamlined a lot of that work, it allowed him the free time, if you will, to dabble in other technologies, which eventually led him um, to on the path to founding Chabad.org. But we'll get more into that as, as you probe. So go ahead. What else? Okay, so when did your father start Chabad.org? So that's a very interesting question, and it's it's hard to pin it down to a specific year because it evolved in stages as the internet evolved. Um, communication with people over computer networks really started in 1988, 89, but there was no .org, .com yet. Um, so Chabad.org as an institution was founded in the winter of, early winter of 1994. Okay, that's very impressive. Um, I grew up, you know, with, with dial-up, with computers. Uh, so that's, uh, that is very, very impressive. So right at the beginning of the, of the internet, I don't know if it was called internet uh, back then. So your father was there. There was already the, uh, the machine was already going. Everything was set in motion for, for the website that we know today as Chabad.org. Um, so... Do you have any uh, any members of your father working at a computer? You know, uh, I don't know if he had a computer at home and he would uh, also do work at home. So, yes, I, I, I do have memories of that, although not a tremendous amount. But there is uh, we did have computers at home. I remember there were sometimes, you know, doing homework and, you know, you would sit next to him while he was on the computer. Um, but that was a rarity. More often, he would, you know, join you on the couch or at the dining room table for that. Uh, his office is definitely something I don't think I'll ever forget. On top of Chabad headquarters or adjacent to Chabad headquarters, there's an office building. And he got a uh, practically a walk-in closet to be able to set up shop in. And it was a room that was filled to the brim. I mean, there were monitors hanging from the ceiling, wires everywhere, papers all over. And, you know, that office uh, had a great view over of Eastern Parkway. And there were times, you know, when he, he would, you know, bring us up there and, you know, we were able to look around and, and, and see some of the things that were happening. But also when there was, a, you know, action happening on Eastern Parkway, you were able to then look down. So if it was a, a Jewish pride parade for Lagba Omer and you wanted to be able to get a, a good bird's eye view, you know, you were able to do that from up there. So there are some memories that I have. Uh, from then, yeah. Did your father receive any explicit instruction or blessing of Raha from the Rebbe, from the Lubavitch Rebbe, regarding the online stuff? So when it was founded as an institution, as Chabad.org, I mentioned earlier, was in winter of 1994. That was almost two years after the Rebbe had suffered a stroke, which took away his ability to communicate verbally. So there wasn't really at that time verbal you know, blessings or communication. However, what there was, uh, the secretary of the Rebbe, a secretary of the Rebbe went in and asked the Rebbe about using the name Chabad on the internet and for permission. And if, you know, it has the Rebbe's guidance and blessing and the Rebbe did okay that 
Um, you know, and that was when, it, like I mentioned, in the winter of 1994, that it became an official, you know, institution, if you will, uh, with that with that name being used on the internet. Fascinating. So, but so before the winter of 1994, your father was still working on right computer stuff, getting Torah uh, transmitted over uh, different methods. Can you tell us more about that? So, what was your father doing? What was the first project, etc.? So, unfortunately, I, I didn't have a chance to interview him, you know, in the way I'm being asked now. So I, I don't have all the answers. He, he did pass shortly after my 10th birthday. So it's, you know, there's a little bit of a gap in my knowledge. Although there were those that worked with him, perhaps we can fill in those gaps. Uh, but I'll try and do the best I can. Um, it started out with realizing that computers can communicate with each other over phone networks with the use of a modem without getting into too much technical gibberish. Um, that enabled my father to interact with people all over the world. And what he started noticing in what would be similar to forums today is people were posting questions about Judaism and there is not, there weren't knowledgeable or not very many knowledgeable people providing answers. So this wasn't only him that was doing it, but he took it upon himself, you know, here's people that are seeking out Jewish knowledge, let me give it to them. And subsequently started answering questions, and that led to more questions and more questions and more people coming out of the woodwork. Eventually, uh, he started, instead of just writing up his own responses, getting permission to put on published content. Um, so that involved, at the time, you didn't get, you know, somebody didn't email you a file of their book and say, yeah, here, take it and use it. You have to cut the spine of the book and scan it page by page and then optimize it for the view on the, uh, for the, the screen of a viewer. Um, so that was obviously, you know, a big, a big project. And that's how it slowly but surely started, kind of as a hobby almost. But then as you see the impact that it was having and the lives that were being changed, you know, it, it overcame him, uh, and that sense of mission really came to the fore. Was this already in 1994, what you just described with the forums? This was earlier. This was already earlier, and then in 1994, when the opportunity, uh, when the infrastructure was there, to have something like a website, they were embarked on that project. And I, I should mention one of the, and I think this will answer really what you're, what I think you're getting at is, the mission or the vision for Chabad.org at the time wasn't just let's make a Jewish website, you know, let people who are seeking be able to come and find out Jewish information. It was let's utilize all emerging technology to further disseminate the wisdom and beauty of Torah and its mitzvot and its message for Jews and non-Jews. That was really the vision. So if Chabad had been doing that with radio since 1960 and in television since 1980, with the new and emerging technologies, this was now going to continue. So with whatever my father knew of, you know, he started with, and then he pushed the envelope. And there's a fellow who was very instrumental in the, in the early days of Chabad.org. And he shared how my father had this thirst for sharing the joy and beauty of Judaism with the world that he would spell, tell him ideas, you know, and he would come to me and he'd say, so how can we do this and that? And he'd say, the technology isn't there yet. What you want to do is not possible. You know, you mentioned starting up with dial-up, you know, that connection with dial-up. If you go on, there's um, a, a website called the Web Archive, and you can look back at old web pages, early iterations of websites, and you can do that for Chabad.org. 
And one of the things that you'll notice is there's an option in the earliest versions for it to load without images, without icons, so that it goes faster. Yeah. Now yeah. fast forward to think about the idea of live video happening over the internet. Sure. That's so far removed at the time. But yet that's really what he wanted. He, he envisioned there being a time where there can be a Jewish online school for children living in remote communities uh, because he was pushing the envelope and saying, this is the technology, where is it going? And let's make sure to utilize it for Judaism. So it started out with the forum-like conversations, but always pushing the envelope and saying, we got to take, we got to push this and use it to the maximum possible. Unbelievable. Has... Any of that affected, impacted you and your work now in Baton Rouge? So definitely I would say uh, I, I was brought up in an environment of caring for others. And I, I should give my mother, I, she does deserve and she gets equal credit for that, um, you know, and, and caring for others. And, and that definitely shaped the vision um, to go out and, and serve a community in this way. Uh I would say what's interesting to me is in the way it shapes some of my work is when I meet people whom may have never met a rabbi before or had limited interaction with organized Jewish life, and they start sharing with you how much they benefit from being able to learn online on a website like Chabad.org. And there was an interesting anecdote, if I can share it with you, I will, about shortly after we moved here to Baton Rouge, we started a little program called Bagels, Locks, and Tefillin. On Sunday mornings, people would get together, and a gentleman came with his own tefillin, and he puts them on, he makes the blessing, and he knows how to wrap them, and then he covers his eyes gently, and he says in Hebrew the prayer, the Shema, and then in a very meditative and, uh, you know, concentrated, uh, with a lot of concentration in English, starts off to say, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might. And he continues that chapter only in English. And I was a little amused by this. Here's a fellow living in Baton Rouge, has his own kosher to fill in, knows how to put him on, says the Shema in Hebrew, but via hafta in the English. And in conversation, he told me that, yes, you know, many years ago, he started exploring his Jewish heritage and he started learning more. And as he did on Chabad.org, and as he did, he took an interest in actual mitzvot, not just study. He learned about tefillin. He said, let me get a pair. And he learned how to put them on, but he never learned what olive bays are. So he couldn't read Hebrew. The Shema he knew, uh, you know, but everything else he didn't know. And, this is, and he's telling it to me, not knowing that my father was, you know, one of the founder of that. So it definitely impacts the work and, and hearing, experiencing things like this are very, very uh, encouraging and uplifting. Very nice. What a beautiful story. How would you say Chabad.org is different today from when your father started it? The internet is different. You know, how would you say your cell phone is different today than your landline in 1990? You know, it's a, it's, it's a different animal. So it, everything about it is, is different. You know, you can think of uh, even things that are exist today on Chabad.org, like live courses, you know, that they offer. Or they have a, a Kaddish trainer, you know, something that will give you the audio and a video that will go with every word of Kaddish. Or on the positive side, it'll show you how to read from the Torah, how to chant Torah. And, you know, something like that wasn't possible at the time, you know, when, when he was alive. So it's, it's a different, the, the internet is a different internet. 
the capabilities are very different. And naturally, it's very good to see that, you know, it's kept up with a lot of those technologies and, and the advancements that are available. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I would share that people should utilize a service like that and you know it's it's there's so much that's available and it can really transform the mundane activities that we do you know you can be folding laundry and instead of it just being folding laundry you can be listening to something um you know uplifting inspiring jewish uh, and likewise a commute can be enhanced you know by having uh, uh, audio or classes lectures and so on um, but also i would say that don't underestimate your ability as one person to really impact the entire world and millions of lives, because that's something that I, I, I believe and I know that my father in, in his short life was able to do through his work on the internet. And it's not unique to him. It's something which we can all do if we take a good idea that we have and a positive uh, ambition and utilize it and act upon it and don't be determined, don't be deterred by uh, the naysayers. If you believe in what you're doing and it's benefiting people, push forward because the world needs more of that. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Rabbi Kaiser, Rabbi Peretz Kaiser from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for joining us today. Hope to do many more interviews in the future. Take care. All the best.